0: Welcome to another episode of Awareness to in Action Instagram podcast. I'm with my co-hosts. Oh wait, <laughs> I already messed it up. Come I'm on. Creek. Come on. And uh, I'm with my co-hosts. My fine co-host, apparently. Um, my my wistful, my wistful, wistful. Uh, co-host.
1: What is wistful? Wistful.
0: Wistful
2: means like, uh, yeah, uh, if only longing, you know, you know, longing, full of wist, wist, wistful.
1: like middle. us being forish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. No. 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 Uh,
0: no. There's a German word, actually. I think uh-huh. it's something like "sensucht" or something like that, which means longing, wistful, something like that. So, gotcha. You know, okay, those bad. Germans. They know how to use wistful, words. Wistful, yeah. Wistful sounds of feet. Yes, you know yeah, which the pitter patter of yeah. children. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Anyways, today we're talking about uh, the. Is
1: that all going in the podcast? Have we, we, we have we no, have no, yeah. no, 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 <laughs>
0: core quality of point four individuality, mm. and um, it's finally arrived. Your favorite your favorite point on the enneagram, and so Mario, why don't you? Tell us about the core quality at point four. Well, I'll, I'll just say, first of all, whenever we do hashtag Enneagram4 in uh,
2: you know, our promotions, the, the, the listenership doubles. So, uh, for those of you who are new <laughs> to the podcast, we welcome yes. you. Yes. Uh, all you fours out there. Uh, so, what was the question? <laughs> What's the core quality at point four? Uh, The core core quality of point four is individuality. Now, again, we want to remember that these core qualities apply to each one of us. We all have these qualities. We have them in an immature form when we are young. And, you know, if all goes well, they mature, we grow, uh, they take on a different shape. They are not fully formed from the get-go. Uh, As we have said, and we're going to say with each episode, because I want to make that point over and over again, but it's individuality. It's just this idea that everybody, whether they try to be or not, is distinct, right? There are no two people who are exactly alike. Every person has their own footprint. Every person has their own Irish print. Every person has their own set of experiences. Even identical twins are very, very different in a lot of ways. Okay so uh, individuality is just the starting point of not being like anyone else of being an individual. Mm. So if we look at the definition of individuality there were a couple of things that caught my attention when I went to uh, when I went online because you know we talk about it a certain way And I'll get to how we talk about it in a moment. But but it's interesting to look at the dictionary definition. And I think it was Merriam-Webster where I looked. It said, the aggregate of qualities and characteristics that distinguish one person or thing from others. Uh, So that's a pretty common definition. But the one that caught my attention and one I think we're going to come back to is the quality or state of being indivisible. Right. Meaning that. You can't break this thing down any further. And when you look at the work of people like um, A. H. Almas and Sandra Maitre, you know, they talk about the, the point, okay, this sort of glowing point of, uh, uh, you know, the core of who we are. Now, again, we've talked about this before. I've got big philosophical and metaphysical differences with them. But I like that idea that this is something that you can't reduce any further that it's as far back to what is quote-unquote original
0: as you can get. We're also talking about the the connecting points of point four as well. Maria Jose, you want to tell us about that a little bit?
1: Sure. So when we look at uh, any of the uh, core qualities at the nine points, we usually also pay attention to those qualities at the connecting points. So for point four, the connecting points are point two and point one. At point two, the core quality is compassion. And we talked about that in uh, the last episode. For point one, the core quality is uh, objectivity. And we will discuss that further later in the podcast, in our conversation. But those are the two core qualities that are part of the things that we look at when we look at the not only the experience or the state of the point four, but also the work that needs to be done or could be done to mature and grow. We get questioned a
2: lot on why we put objectivity at point one. And, uh, you know, people have said, well, why is it not at point five? Uh, We can say more about that when we get to the one and to the five, but but it it applies here. And I think it's important to understand as we talk about the four, because when we're talking about objectivity, we're talking about um, seeing the world as it is Without prejudices, preconception, emotional uh, distortions, and so forth. Okay, and this is a big concern when you know working at point four is being aware of the emotional distortions that can get in the way of us seeing the world objectively. Objectively,
0: you've said a few things about the definition of individuality, but let's let's keep talking ab- around it. Let's define our terms a little bit more.
1: The awareness to action definition of. Uh individuality is unmanufactured inherent distinctness and what that means is that i don't need to do anything to be distinct to be unique or i don't want to use the word unique but i can't avoid it yeah it's hard to avoid yeah distinct distinct. i like distinct but this is a Yeah. yeah i don't need to do anything and we will get to how uh, later how the strategy at point four kind of it's a replacement in a way to these uh, individuality but the way it feels and I was just doing the exercise and I'm not sure that I had ever done it like so what's the state of feeling this individuality and the description that you mentioned, uh, or the definition that you mentioned later, the second one, Mario, the quality or state of being indivisible, kind of, yeah. I took that. And and when I think about me as being just the most indivisible part of the whole of the, not the universe, it could be the universe, but let's say human beings on the planet. Mm-hmm. It just feels beautiful. You know, it feels just really, really special. And um, one way in which we have been talking about it is kind of the energy where it goes and in vitality. It was outward flowing energy. For compassion was both also outward, but also receptive and merging. And here, Mario, you wrote something about individualities, a contained radiance, and. I, I think it is that, you know? So when you are just this individual, that it's a whole, but it's different from anything else, it's beautiful just because it is, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I just felt that by trying to yeah. think about it.
2: There's a, and uh, I don't want to skip ahead here, but there's this element, uh, you know, what it brings is this appreciation of beauty. Right Because you know Jose kept coming back to that feeling of it being beautiful when you're experiencing it, right. When you're when you're in this place where you realize that you are you, okay? you don't have to be you. You just are you. It gets back to, you know when we were talking with Viba and we were talking about the uh, the book I am that, right? It's just just I am. It's this idea of I amness that we hear about in many spiritual traditions. I don't have to define it. The definition is implicit in what it is. And we always talk about the immature version versus the mature version, right? So the immature version is the baby that comes into the world, okay? They are just, you know, they have, uh, first thing, you know, and I'm pretty sure they do the same thing, Ryoze, uh, uh, down in Chile, the child what do is you mean born down? in
1: a, because the well, map you know, is in that direction. Well, when you look at the map the right way, then yes, it's down. What do you there, mean so. down? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you so know, like the, on down. the bottom of the yeah. planet. No, right? I'll no, no, no. skip yeah. the down and say at the end of the in Chile, <laughs> in Chile, and that's enough.
0: On the south See? part? See, again. Is that.
2: Better. See, see when when you're in a when you're locked into a dual, um, you know, differentiated experience like I am at the moment, you see things as up and down versus in Chile, right? Well, so, um, so there it. you go. So you're you're well, no, you're more evolved than I am, clearly, because you're seeing it differently. Wow. But um, my point is that the, you know the baby comes out and they clean the baby off, and the first thing they do is they take a footprint. Okay. And why do they take the footprint? It's because, should the babies get switched, they have a record, right? They can match the footprint. So and they
1: still you know. get switched. Can you have it explained? <laughs> yeah, yeah, know? Yeah. I, I just... <laughs> so troubling to me that these yes, things happen still. It is, yeah.
0: <laughs> I knew it. it, it would be, I've been... Yeah. Like, I, always, not, <laughs> I always, always thought I was, yeah, I was I part yeah. of my family. Yeah. You know? I was
1: yeah. about to tell you, because you look nothing like your siblings yeah. or parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <True. laughs>
2: and this is what every four believes, right? Oh. That they are, you know, they were switched at birth or, you know, born in the wrong family or something born like that. Or in the that. wrong but planet. You yeah, know, on the wrong planet, right. <laughs> uh, so, it... You know, again, it's this idea that the baby can't help but be its own person, okay? But that's an immature version of what we refer to it as de facto distinctness, right? I mean, just by the fact of being, it is distinct, okay? But they start to develop all these ideas. They start to be influenced by their environment. They start to lose their sense of themselves as, as distinct entities and the four goes through life wrestling with okay well what is what of this thing that I call me is really me versus what is society's impact what is my parents impact so they go through life you know trying to differentiate right I'm not that I'm not that I'm not that uh, or I'm like this I'm like this I'm like this and they become locked in these comparisons
1: and maybe we can um, describe the process by which these uh quality gets stunted and mm-hmm. there are messages like oh you look just like your father or yeah. you're part of this group or oh of course you're doing this because you are um from these i don't know school or so society needs to classify people needs to see patterns and we keep trying to find those i remember when i had my first daughter and they would say oh she looks like your grandmother from this side and, then, and i was like <laughs> so where am i here <laughs> like i'm the mother why didn't you just say <laughs> just like you or <laughs> your father but it had yeah. to be all these people and yeah. so we keep classifying people and the four or any of us start saying okay i'm part of this kind of tribe part of this other group, or look like this person, or do this, like, but who am I? What's mine? What's theirs?
2: Even, you know, I I go back to to my childhood. So I have my father's name. I'm a junior, right? So I was always little Mario, okay? And, uh, you know, even when I was a head bigger, taller than my father, (laughs) I was still little Mario, right? And uh, identified through that. And when my son was born, fortunately, I did not name him after myself but uh, honest to goodness this is a true story when the the nurses were cleaning him off after he was you know born one of them turns to the other and says he looks like the father but in a good way <laughs> and and i'm standing three feet behind him right and i'm saying hey, excuse me you know i'm right here right and and he does i mean you look at pictures of me when i was his ages and you can see this the startling uh, similarities which is really depressing for him now when he sees you know what his future ultimately <laughs> yeah. is is going to be um so but again it, it's these things of identifications right we are ne- we you know we're almost never just
0: identified for ourselves i suppose all of the core qualities have some flavor of existentialism but this but It does feel, when it comes to individuality... Oh, this is is it. Bigger. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: We can say that
2: everybody wrestles with existential issues, but it's because we're all wrestling with this thing at point four. Yeah. Who am I? What Mm -hmm. am I?
1: Because of what happens and all the process of stunting, all of us, but for the four, for type four is more acute, uh, we start to struggle with who who we are, like who am I, and uh, some people I believe don 't suffer that much and at a, it could be that I feel even good or more for example secure if i am i if I am like other people, but for the four it 's more like then who am i what what 's the individual in me? is it that it's in there and and what they're doing is permanently comparing themselves to other people so i am an individual because i am different from other people so everything starts or a lot of things starts becoming very personal because okay so this person mario is like this so if he's like that how am i like if he's good at this am i good at that so I start defining myself through comparing myself to other people, to my environment. And that's one of the one of the things that cause, causes the four to be sometimes a bit defensive or taking things too personal because they have this habit of comparing themselves to other people, saying everything, I bring it back to me and say, okay, so how, how am I compared to these things that's in front of me? I also think that this also causes uh, a bit of the envy, the passion of the four, because I'm comparing myself and I am struggling here and the people around me doesn't, don't seem to be struggling, I feel envy. But it's this pattern of comparing myself that causes that.
0: Is it even possible to have an identity without comparing to others?
1: Well,
2: no, see, this is, see, and this is the thing, as with all of these, we have to go through this process, right? So um, it's, you know, there's the old saying, you know, you can't be nobody until you're somebody. Um, You have to go through this process of exploration and finding yourself out. Look, what we're describing is what every teenager goes through as well, whether they're a four or not, right? It's just this, this part of life Where you start figuring out who you are by comparing and contrasting yourself to other people. Okay. Um, The four just is in perpetual, has a double dose of perpetual teenage years. It's just, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I didn't want to say it that way, (laughs) but you you know, a perpetual adolescent, right? No, 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 it's just, it's just like they got a double dose of it, right? Um, And never grew out of it. Yeah. Uh, And I think
1: that it's also like, (laughs) When we said, like, the definition is uh, unmanufactured distinctness, it's because so the opposite of that is that I manufacture it. And so we go through the process, all of us do, but some of us have a bigger need to feel distinct. So we manufacture it. So what the four does is start looking for all the ways in which they're not like the people around them. And that's trying to, striving to feel unique. Yeah. So I'm not like this. I'm not like that. I'm not like that. So when you go through the process, it, you could get to a place where, well, I'm different in this way and I'm similar in the other way. And it's not painful yeah. or it's less painful. I can live with that because it's not so much of an issue. For me, if you told me, well, you're very similar to this person or that person or you're just like this, fine. No, I don't love it, but yeah. I can live with it. You know, I think for force it's more—it's more important, and they need to address it and manufacture this distinctness somehow mm-hmm. by striving to feel unique. There's a process we go through in
2: life where you spend a lot of time trying to figure out how you, uh, who you are, what your guidelines are, what your, you know, your rules of living are. And then eventually you stop caring about it, right? You just you just start doing, right? you start being, um, and I don't mean in some capital B sort of word, uh, you know, sense of you know something you know something metaphysical, but you're just you're just going through life, and you're going you're doing so with this feeling of equanimity, which is the virtue. At point four, right? This feeling of balance and lack of emotional turmoil and disruption because you've kind of worked through those issues. And it takes people, you know, to, you know, almost everybody, like we said, is dealing with this in their teenage years and into their 20s. And You know, and in your 30s, you establish your career, and then things start to settle down a little bit, and you don't worry so much about who you are and what your identity is and all that stuff, uh, for the most part. Now, some people do, and fours do even more than others, but um, there's this natural progression. But we have to go through it, okay? And um, eventually, the mature version of this is just a kind of spontaneous unfolding, because you're not worrying about. Who you are, you're just reacting to life in a natural way, in an unencumbered way, in a non self conscious way. That again is back to that idea of the indivisible being, right? The individual, indivisible me that is just doing what I do. I don't worry about, am I being true to myself? right i don't worry am i being authentic am i living my truth you know all this stuff you know it's like all right you, you know I, I i grew out of that okay or it, or,
1: or right. it could be that i feel more authentic that way yeah because it might be more authentic to just do what i want to do than to do it reacting to what other people are doing yes it doesn't have to be different
2: when you're expressing your authentic self you're not aware of it right it's it's like it's like to use a baseball analogy okay when you hit a baseball really really well it feels like you didn't even hit the ball okay but if you can feel in your hands that the bat hit the ball it means that the the ball's not going to go as well or as far as it would had you just not felt it okay because you don't feel it when everything is as it should be and everything is in the right place and you're just doing what comes naturally. Okay. And so this is how it feels with this idea of authenticity as well. When you're being really authentic, you're not worried about am I being authentic
0: or not. But that requires a journey of some sort.
1: Of course. Of course. Yeah. Of you course. haven't got there yet? <laughs> well, I mean.
2: Come on, man. What are you waiting for? You're 33 already. Yeah. Wow, okay. Jesus hey.
0: was dead by this. Point. Come on, man. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> and look at everything you got he my, did by your age. <laughs> you know? me to my joke. Uh, <laughs> I, I literally made that joke yesterday. Oh, I'm
2: so like Creek. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: the natural unfolding. What's the difference between like a natural unfolding and, and still being purposeful about your decisions and your steps and your goals and all that other stuff?
2: Yeah, they're not contradictory in any way, right? So, you know, I'm talking about, you know, I, I, yeah, and that's a, it's a good question. You know, it's not like I'm saying, hey, man, you should just get up in the morning and do whatever Follow comes your natural heart. to you. Follow your heart. Yeah, I mean, never worse advice, you know. No, look, you still have to plan, okay? You still have to live in the world. You still have to set goals and all that sort of thing. But the difference is when I'm doing those things— I'm not as caught up in, oh, is this true to me? Okay. Is this an expression of who I really am? We're just kind of doing it. Right?
1: Um, I think that it's hard to understand it without looking at the accelerator for it. Mm. Yeah, um, the accelerator at point four is this identification, and it's um, stripping away attachment to our outdated and static identities especially static. So when I think that, so so, what's true to myself? It has to be true to some idea that I have about myself. But that's restrictive. That's static. So if I work on disidentifying from those attachments, from those images that I have about myself, I can just allow myself to do the things that feel true, but not attached to an idea of what it should be or could be or has to be because of who I I am. So that's a work, one of the work. I mean, part of the work for a four is working on that. So it's like stop comparing myself or try to. This is not something on and off. It's not for fours. It's a work that they have to do their whole lives. And all of us. All of us. Because the temptation to compare myself and to do things or reflect on things using this comparison to other people or to this self-image, it's huge. But the moment you start letting go of those things, it gives you more freedom. It gives you the freedom to just evolve. I mean, unfold more naturally. Not having to stick to these ideas that I have about myself.
0: It reminds me of, um, so Rick Rubin is, is a really famous music producer. and yeah. A like, famous
2: four. Yeah. That, that guy's a super fool. Yeah? Okay. Uh, yeah. Never smiled a day in his life. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> you had to ruin it, Mario. I did.
0: <laughs>
2: and that's all I wanted to say no, about no. him. Um, that's, no, that's he's, a, he's, he's, no, he's, he's,
0: uh, anyway, go ahead, Rick. Sorry. <laughs> He just talks about in some ways talking about being disidentified with the result of what you're going for. You don't start off trying to become an artist. You start off practicing your guitar, showing up to your writing desk, just seeing what happens in the process and then letting the result dictate where you go next and, and, what genre, genre you're a part of or what the song is supposed to be and yeah. this is this happens with me constantly is like it's as soon as i try to get somewhere when i'm writing music that this yeah. the quicker yes. i stop because it's yes. just so insanely frustrating yes yeah. um instead of just letting it unfold as it as it yes. becomes clear
2: and every artist will tell you that the work takes on a life of its own right? Writers will tell you that as well. It's like, I have no idea where these characters are going to go. I just have this sense of these characters and we're going to see what happens here. And one of the other things I really like about, um, Rick Rubin, um, besides that he hasn't had a haircut in 40 years. I mean, he literally <laughs> has not cut his hair or his beard. He just lets it grow and just, it stops at a certain length. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> you have a thing uh, about
0: people growing their hair out. <laughs> I'm jealous, man. <laughs> I'm jealous. He, he
2: says that he never thinks about the listener mm-hmm. when he's creating music. It's all about whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, I you know, again, is an expression of this indivisib- indivisibility and this individuality of I'm doing this because it feels right for me. And I know that even though I am distinct, I have enough in common with enough of humanity that other people will find something of value in this as well, mm-hmm. okay? And so that's kind of the the good place for the four to be. I'm not worried about what other people think. I'm not so focused on having to distinguish myself from others, I'm just doing what feels right for me and trusting that it will find its place.
0: So when we're talking about the accelerator, a point for uh, disidentification. Can we jump into that a little bit more and um, yeah. work on some language around that? Yeah. So, so there's a very tactical
2: you know, a path to this of, number one, learning to recognize when we start identifying with something or against something. The, the Indian tradition has a great phrase. I think it comes from the Advaita practices uh, called neti neti. Not this, not that, right? Whenever they're experiencing something and trying to compare it or trying to, you know, process it in some way, they say, no, it's not this, it's not that. It's it's just what it is. And we fall into taking that in a different way and saying it's against that or in opposition to that or it's in alignment with or in connection to that. But what they're talking about is just, eh. Not this, not that, it's its own thing. Um, there's a group of Advaita monks who live in the burial grounds in India they, they I'm sorry, not burial grounds, the crematory grounds they they burn the bodies and so these monks go in there and as far as I can tell they're they're mostly men, and they just strip off all their clothes. And, you know, kind of don't bathe and they roll around in the ashes and they, you know, kind of purify. They, they get rid of all sense of identifications and connections and, you know, dependencies. And then they just roam around begging using, you know, skull caps as begging bowls, you know, kind of thing. And the idea is that when I strip away everything, what emerges is the true me. Now, I don't recommend this as a practice, right? It's, you know, you, well. you got to really go all in, you know, for this. And uh, I don't know if the payoff is really worth all that. But the concept is what we're doing. You know, we go through this part of figuring out who I am and then kind of deconstructing that and letting go of that, okay, and realizing, oh, wait a minute, I thought this, but... That was just a facade that I built, or that was just an identity that I created to you know protect myself or make other people happy, or you know whatever it is, so it's it's about dismantling, but without prejudice,
0: okay without shame, without anger i have I actually have two friends that are fours, and both have had spent a few years in funeral homes, mm. dressing up bodies. And it was, they get excited about it, um, when they talk about (laughs) it of just being able to take a dead body and make it beautiful and presentable. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's, I'm not sure there's more of a forward (laughs) thing out there than that.
2: (laughs) Well, it's, it's the ultimate statement, isn't it? Right. to, to, you know, this is the last memory. That people are going to have of this person. And there's a, there, there's a, a beauty in that. And it shows kind of the, the connection of point two here, right? This idea of compassion, this idea of empathy, this idea of, you know, wanting to do something for the other. And this is the beauty that we see in fours when they're in touch with this place is this sweetness and this kindness and this compassion that they can express.
0: Let's say more about the connecting points. How, how does, where does compassion go wrong? Like what's the immature version of like a for expressing compassion?
2: So the immature compassion is a kind of uncontrolled, unmanaged swirling of emotion. Now with compassion, it's picking up from the other and not being able to manage our reaction to it which is why we stunt the compassion. The four feels it, you know, they feel that, and they feel a little bit differently too. It's this, I, I can't process or make sense of, or even deal with all these things that I'm feeling independent of other people, okay. So it's more of a kind of a, a self-compassion fatigue, and let alone, well, now I got to deal with you too, right? I got to deal with your emotions and what you're experiencing. So ironically, the the four, as in touch with their emotions, quote unquote, as they can be, can be really self-centered and really self-absorbed because taking on the emotional state through compassion of others can feel like it's doubling the burden for
1: them. In the worst cases, I've seen... Force reacting to those situations making it all about themselves how they feel about it and yeah doesn't help a lot
2: and this is unhealthy level stuff yeah. right this is not the, mm-hmm. the, the the normal four but we meet so few of those mm-hmm. um no i'm, I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> i love fours i really do yeah, yeah i'm just joking yeah. um yeah, so it's it's this it's this, this compassion fatigue, and then it's also this stunting of objectivity.
0: So let's talk about that, yeah. uh, Marie Jose. Can you can you talk to us about the immature version of how a four might express objectivity?
1: So in general, the immature version of objectivity is the lack of preconceptions. It's like a blank slate, or like a blind, uh, white piece of paper. It's nothing in there. It's almost like I don't have an opinion or preconception about. The world. Now the thing is that it gets stunted and for the four, and it, that happens to all of us, we need to start coming up with not only rules, but ideas about how the world works and what goes with what, whatever. But for the four, it starts to get filled with things around how I am, but how the other people are and how they should be a lot, and and I am like this, and for me it was, I don't know, more difficult. Other people have these resources and they need to do these things. I deserve certain things. So, so they have all these ideas about how the world has to be for them that, like for all of us, feel subjective. They have this story about the world and themselves feels really objective like when they're defining i've seen force describe their time their lives as all of us but they have these a bit some of like a bias towards seeing the negative or more difficult situations that they have gone through and it feels objective. so objectivity as for all of us is stunted Uh, but i think that it makes them suffer more than Uh, other people because they kind of get trapped into those stories.
2: Fours are interesting when you look at their connection to point one. And one of my favorite examples, if, um, you know, I really encourage people if they want to understand fours to read the biography of Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson, Uh, it is, it is a case study in a transmitting four. But there are some things in particular that stand out. Number one, he was adopted and never got over this sense of not fitting in, right, not belonging and so forth. Uh, there was also this idea when it comes to this objectivity thing. It's, uh, you know, what we see in the one is I don't, I don't feel objective, so I have to create rules. Okay. And the four can do the same thing. But it's very much, I create rules, not so much for me to follow, but for you to follow. And, you know, Jobs famously said, I don't do market research because people don't know what they want until I tell them what they want, right? So there was this idea that only he understood what was right and how things should be. And there was also this, you know, demandingness around, you know, the aesthetics that he expected there's the famous story about the uh the next computer which he insisted be a perfect cube and they told him it's not going to work it's not going to work and he said no i know i know i know and it didn't work right it was a big failure and so it's this idea of no wait i know what's right but that comes from this distortion around objectivity
1: the iphone worked that
2: which late- oh, uh, yeah, I'm not,
0: I'm not taking anything away from. Them. I'm just showing where this you know went off, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, how would you suggest a force start to work on disidentif- disidentification um, and its corresponding accelerator points?
2: So, practicing the accelerators at the connecting points is really really helpful. And at point two, it's this idea of cognitive empathy that we talked about last time, right? It's about you know, noticing your feeling response to other people, but then checking it cognitively and evaluating it. And there, there was an idea that came to me as I was thinking about this uh, prior to our episode. Uh, there's a, uh, a a concept from African philosophy. I'm not sure if it's contained to, to South Africa, but that's where it's most famous, uh, called Ubuntu, right? And Ubuntu is this idea of you know the kind of the saying is i am who i am because you are who you are All right so it talks about the interrelationship of everyone and the effect that we have on each other right just by being around other people we take on the shape of them in some way, the feel of them, the influence of them. And we're doing this with all of our environment. And that's perfectly well and good. That is the spontaneous unfolding that we're talking about, right? I am the sum of my experiences and the sum of my interrelationships or the sum of my relationships combined with this kind of fundamental original of who I am. And the two, for the two, this idea is more, I am who I am because you are who you are, right? You are shaping me, right? With the four, it's almost like you are who you are because I am who I am, okay? They're both true, but it's looking at it from a slightly different angle, right? So this indivisibility of me is helping to shape the totality of you in a way. Okay, so that's what I see as the connection here to point two for the four. Yeah,
1: there's um, one specific thing that I've seen a lot and in that fours tend to read other people's emotions, again, biased towards they're having an easy time, they're having a happy time, they're not struggling with this, yeah. I am the one struggling. And that defines how they react to those situations when they and and the fact that they don't connect with people as they could or feel with them when they check they realize that other people are struggling as well they're not as happy as they seem not even trying to seem happy as they believe and that balances the connection or that uh, makes them feel closer to them so the four benefits from checking their yeah. cons- their Uh, interpretations of how people are feeling. uh, And that increases the union with them. Yeah, so for point one, the accelerator is acceptance. So if we want to nurture objectivity and try to see the world as it is and not as it should be, accepting things for what they are is a big help. It doesn't mean that I have to like it, abdicate, or... Endorse those things. I just accept that they are what they are, that I cannot change them now. I might change them in the future, but not now. They already happened. And it might seem really, really obvious, but for the one in all of us, and like for, we resist those things. And that doesn't allow us to be objective about it. We don't see the full picture because we are resistant to a part of it. So accepting things takes away the emotional charge associated with that resistance and allows us to see more clearly, more quickly, and uh, be more objective, have more solutions at hand react emotionally more adaptively so for the four acceptance is a big thing because it's accepting who am i who i am who the other person is what happened to me what didn't happen to me (laughs) those things i might not like them but allows me accepting it allows me to not get stuck into those stories, which usually are a big part of where the fours live, it's in this attachment to what it was, what it could have been, what it should be, and not just what it is.
2: Part of that is being accepting of themselves as well, right? Uh, so we need to accept the world as it is, but we need to accept ourselves as we are and Again, like Mariose Jose said, this is not abdication. This is not saying, okay, well, I'll never grow. I just have to be comfortable with who I am. That's not what we're saying. We're saying when we're talking about acceptance, we're talking about acknowledgement without uh, negative emotion, right? So I'm not angry that something's the wrong, quote, unquote, way. I'm, okay, this is what it is. It could be better, and here's what I'm going to do to make it better, but it doesn't do any good to be upset about it because that makes me less effective anyway. But the four also needs to realize that while I am unique by definition, while I am distinct by definition, what I'm experiencing is what people have experienced through all of time. Right. This is why there are certain stories that keep retelling themselves over and over again. If you think of four-ish authors, you know, there's almost too many to to (laughs) mention. But uh, the ones that are coming to mind are like the Lawrence Durrell Alexandria Quartet or something or maybe Patti Smith's books, uh, which are just exude forness. you know, as I read them. It's this idea that, yeah, people have been going through these things since the beginning of our existence and everybody's going through them as well right? Everybody feels unloved at times and everybody feels like they don't fit in and everybody feels like there's something wrong with the way they look or they're not smart enough or you know, whatever it is. So fours are not unique in that. They're just going through it in their own unique way. So that's an important starting point for the four.
0: So what are some really practical steps that fours, but also other people that may be struggling with some level of identity? Individuality yeah. crisis, yeah. What are, What are some practical steps we can do on a day to day?
2: So some important ones that we always tell fours, and it's it's always interesting to me because my recommendation for fours is less action oriented than it usually Shocking. is for other types, right? And you know, because so much of it has to do with training themselves to think in certain ways, rather than allowing their emotions to distort how they think about things. Okay, so,
1: I just want to make sure that people don't understand that we're asking force to be less emotional or oh right, no, no, we're no, not doing that.
2: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And emotional intelligence is not the lack of emotion or stifling emotions or anything like that. It's just managing our reactions to it. So, you know, for the force, keep feeling, but learn to recognize that you're feeling right. Learn to observe that you're feeling The you know, there's the neti neti uh, meditation where you just you know, watch what you're experiencing, right? And just think about what you're experiencing and say, well, yeah, it's not quite this. It's not quite that. And it teaches you to let go. So a good activity for fours is to start to observe and recognize their identifications. Okay. When they start seeing themselves or hearing themselves, compare themselves or contrast themselves with other people to just say, ah, eh, I'm doing that again. Right. Ah, I'm doing that again without judgment, without, you know, feeling flawed or bad or anything like that. But just to step back, observe it, to recognize it and to let it go. It can also help to write them down. Right. If you start to see other patterns and then start to ask yourself, OK, what's behind that? Why am I thinking that? And is that really something that I should be worried about and so forth? So it's it's ironically very cognitive for me.
1: So, Craig, how. What's the process for you to, when you are comparing yourself to other people or to something and then you catch yourself in the act?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) What was the question? (laughs) I'm struggling to find a time when I'm not, you know.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, just share your experience. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's very, it's very common to, especially like when I'm looking back over, um, over new years or something like that, looking back over my year and just, you know, feeling a general, man, I just, I didn't do what I wanted to do. I didn't accomplish anything of, of value. And then I often have friends that are like, are you kidding me? you did this thing you went this place like you're you're living most people's dream life there there's just there's always another level of the thing that I don't have and it's not necessarily materialism it's more satisfaction meaning and purpose that everyone else has that I don't um and I'm just over here floundering I'm floundering really good. It feels like (laughs) like traveling to Europe floundering. But, you know, that's I guess that is that's a that's a consistent thing that that comes up where it's just like everyone else knows what they're doing in their life. And I'm I'm just trying to stay alive. That sort of that sort of vibe, you know, (laughs) Uh, which is a big bummer (laughs) most days.
1: So, what takes you out of it?
0: Often I mean it's re- it's reflecting on what actually has happened. <laughs> Ironically, it is like kind of uh, listening and observing other people, you know checking in on my assumptions as to what people are actually feeling and thinking and whatnot. Yeah. It's also it is zooming way out it's it's spending some time alone, a good, solid, Two day or two in the woods where I'm not around anyone and it's a basically like oh yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if I'm going anywhere or if I'm doing anything i like existing is enough to be happy or or at least neutral you know it doesn't even have to be happy yeah. so it's 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 both saying that I am doing good things in my life through reflection and observation, as well as finding time to disidentify with that nothing that I do really matters <laughs> in the best sort of way. Yeah.
2: It, it, as you were talking there, um, and once I got beyond the image of you in the woods for two days, writing your manifesto in a <laughs> shack or something, um, <laughs> um, it, it it made me think of uh, one of my all time favorite books, The uh, Razor's Edge by Somerset Mom. and it's about it's it's a very four-ish thing, right? It's about this guy who, after World War One, uh, goes on this search for f- fulfillment, enlightenment, right, and travels all over the world and you know so forth. And it was made into a movie twice: once with Tyrone Power in the '40s, and once with Bill Murray in the '80s. And I remember the ending of the Bill Murray um, movie where he's talking with this woman who, you know, he had, he was supposed to marry when he was younger and they went separate ways and so forth. And and he, she says to him, you know, well, what's going to happen to us? What's next for you, et cetera, et cetera. And his last line is, you don't get it. It just doesn't matter. Right. And he wasn't saying that in an indifferent way. But he was saying that, you know what, life's going to unfold, okay? I don't have to have all the answers, but the thing I have found by going out and searching for wisdom and enlightenment and so forth is that it was always there within me, right? It's the classic hero's journey thing of, you know, what I was searching for was always here, but I had to go out there to find it, okay? To find that it was resigning at home. And that's what you're experiencing. And like Maria Jose said earlier, it's not a one-and-done thing, right? It's not flipping a switch. It's you feel it, and then you lose the feeling of it, and then you feel it again, and then you lose the feeling of it. But the more you do your work, the more time you spend feeling it, that
0: sort of radiant point. Yeah, that. and I, I can attest to that being true. Like equanimity is, is far more present now than it, than it has been in the past. and. Yeah when i do drop into the into kind of those old patterns of what am i doing with my life everything is terrible and meaningless and i'm yeah uh it it feels really awkward and weird to be back mm-hmm. in that yeah. sort of mindset which i guess is a good sign but it's still mm-hmm. not pleasurable <laughs> even though i used to think it was profound it's actually quite immature <laughs>
2: The thing that we all learn when it comes to change is that progress is measured by how quickly we get out of the hole. It's not by never falling into the hole. It's not by never going back and doing those things that we're trying not to do or trying not to experience or thought we grew out of. We will get drawn back. But the faster we recognize it and the better the tools we have for pulling ourselves out of it and returning to this better thing. That's the work. Right. That's the goal.
0: It's also not a race to get out of the hole, necessarily. No. Uh,
2: well, I've spoken like a true force. Well uh, no. <laughs>
0: here's what I'm saying is like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a there's yeah. a when I'm in a funk, I know I have to just go through the funk and trust the process sure, sure, that I will sure. emerge. And I'm doing the things that I know I need to do to get out of it, but there is no rushing it or getting out of it yeah. quickly, yeah. which I see a lot of people doing all the time trying to prove that they are enlightened or something they're just trying to jump over the hole instead yeah. of let it teach you something along the way. Yeah. Well, I I think maybe we're defining the whole a little bit differently here.
2: Right. So let's define our terms. What is a whole? Just, just for clarity. (laughs) Right. So, so what I'm talking about is perhaps a better way is we find ourselves off track in some way. Okay. And then we brought ourselves back on track more quickly. Now, sometimes that means just recognizing that I'm in this black emotional hole which I think is more what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Or this, yeah, you know, I'm not saying that, no, you got to quick get out of that, right? You shouldn't feel that way. No, you have to let that run its course. But recognizing that we have to let it run its course is the getting back on track that I'm talking
1: yeah, about. Yeah, it's the awareness right? of it and not just yes. being trapped in it without awareness.
0: Well, thank you everyone for joining my therapy session. Um, the fours are going to love this one, man. Our <laughs> our, our, our listenership is going to go up exponentially. Uh, oh man, with you know, with, with fours. I, fours are not that mysterious. I I keep having people tell me that, and I'm like, it's yeah. I don't know for that confusing. Like, no. <laughs> but maybe but I'm they're just a, they're just a different kind of screwed up. Right? I mean, that's it. You know, look, we're, we we've all got our stuff. That's what yeah, the Enneagram no. tells us. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awareness to action.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awareness to podcast.